Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, good morning, or good evening anywhere that it is evening in the world. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, June 26, 2010. I must constantly remind myself that the Internet is worldwide, and not only will I be reaching people here in the United States, but also people in other countries. So if there are people in other countries listening to this, welcome. Before I start talking about the seven trumpets, I must speak about some current events that could affect the United States and possibly the world, because whenever the United States sneezes, uh, it does affect other people in the world, because we are strong financially as far as the revenue that we bring in, but uh, we are definitely the world's largest debtor nation in the world, which is a good example to other people. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 31. Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 31. I'm primarily using the King James Version, but I'll let you know if I use a different version for clarity's sake. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 26. This is in the context of Jesus, or Yeshua, his Hebrew name, coming back to earth. And I look forward to that day. Luke 17, verse 26. He states here, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also in the days of the Son of Man. So shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. He's talking about his second coming. In verse 27, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. In other words, they were doing their usual thing until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then verse 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And verse 30 is the pivotal verse here. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And in verse 31, in that day he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down and take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. So he's comparing this to the start of the Great Tribulation. If we turn to Matthew chapter 24, we'll see that. In Matthew chapter 24, and in verse uh, 15, let's start in verse 15. And when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, and then he says, whosoever readeth, let him understand, indicating that it will be people that read this and won't understand it, because they don't do what he says, as far as going to Daniel and understanding what this is talking about. If you go to Daniel chapter 12, it's talking about the daily sacrifice being taken away, which indicates prophetically that there will be a temple built so there can be sacrifices in the first place. And then for those people who don't understand what the holy place means, that means that's a certain section of the temple that where the priests prepared the sacrifices. All right, so you have the holy place and you have the holy of holies, which the high priest went to every year to, to offer the sacrifice and the blood on the altar, on the mercy seat, every year for the sins of the people. And you wouldn't know that unless you studied that in detail in Leviticus chapter 16. So, um, but he said that there will be something standing in the holy place. 
and and a rebuilt temple because there can't be a holy place without a temple. So that's telling you that there must be a temple built in this end time. And that is happening, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to templeinstitute.org, www.templeinstitute.org, you will see that uh, they are in the process of preparing to build the temple of God, the third temple, the prophesied temple where things are going to break loose and all hell will break loose. But anyway, in verse 16 of Matthew 24, Then let them which be in Judea, which is the West Bank today, flee into the mountains. The nearest mountains to the West Bank is Pella, not Petra. Verse 17, Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Okay, so what did... Luke chapter 17 state here. It says, Luke 17, uh, verse 31, uh, verse 30. It says, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, in that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down and take it away, and he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Let's turn to Matthew 24 again. In the context of the abomination of desolation, when the anti-Messiah will uh, erect a, a statue of some kind of abomination in the holy place, that will cause it to be desolated. All right, in verse 16, it states, Then let them which be in Judea, the West Bank, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop, same phraseology, similar phraseology, Luke chapter uh, 17, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. So we know that he's comparing the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah with the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Verse 19, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight, which are commanded to you, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> be not in the winter, I'm sorry, neither on the Sabbath day. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Total annihilation of all life. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So, we understand that he's comparing the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah with the start of the Great Tribulation. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, again, what's going to lead up to this Great Tribulation? Well, Christ told his disciples and any of his disciples today, his willing uh, learners and students. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount of Jerusalem, the uh, temple today, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and the end of the world, or, or, or this age of man trying to rule himself? Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And I explained last week that this is really a description of the uh, first horse of the apocalypse, the, um, the, 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 the white horse of deception. And in verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's the second horse of the apocalypse. It represents war. Now the first seal represents worldwide deception by a new world order government. And the second seal represents war. Uh, the third seal, he's going to talk about this here. In verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We're hearing about a coming war here in the Middle East. That's going to be happening, it looks like, very soon here based on the headlines that I've been receiving from major news sources. Uh, right now there are tw uh, 12, at least 12, uh, U.S. Navy ships in the Middle East. Uh, Israel is sending all types of uh, military uh, preparation. And, and, and also today, or yesterday, Israel bombed Gaza because they claimed that uh, some rockets came and it was shot at them. So... Things are building up, ladies and gentlemen, as Christ predicted here. Verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. So we're not supposed to be troubled by all this. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation. That word should be translated to family or tribes. And kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines. And that's what we're going, going through right now, ladies and gentlemen. There is a economic famine. And this is talking about the third seal, which predicts inflation which means that it's going to be harder to find a job, prices will increase, and it's going to be worldwide economic chaos. And that's what it, that's what it is right now. And then pestilences, and then once you, don't, you can't work and you don't have the proper food to feed yourself, then you get 
disease, right? So pestilence, and that's what the fourth seal represents. And then earthquakes in various places. We've had earthquakes from various places since January of this year. All these are just the beginning. It's just the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of the tribulation. Uh, but it's not the great tribulation period, as he spoke about. And in verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's the period we're experiencing right now, as far as the iniquity of many. Uh, as far as iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He's talking about the end when he comes back and lands on the Mount of Olives. And, is, and he's linking uh, verse 14 with that. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And in verse 15, then he goes into detail about how the end will come when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the, whole, the, the prophet, standing in the holy place, what read let him understand, and then the rest. All right, so... That is how the events kind of um, sum up until you get to um, verse 22. And except those days shall be short, and there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be short. And then he talks about other events that I'm going to hopefully get into today when I talk about the, the seven trumpets. So what, what I want to address today is the gay agenda. CNN now uh, is really, really pushing the gay agenda now, and and I have to speak out about it because I believe what the Bible says about it, and I don't hate gays and, and so forth, but uh, God does not like, matter of fact, he hates what they're doing to themselves, and, and so do I. And uh, we, we uh, love gay people, and we hope that they repent of what they're doing to themselves and to other people, but... But uh, I must talk about this because it's, it's a major thing. And what I want you to understand is that why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And now, if you've listened to the, the party is almost over Bible study, you understand that homosexuality is just one of the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. If we want to understand, let's go over that again here in Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. All right, Ezekiel chapter 16 tells you what the sins of Sodom is. Verse 49, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Right now, uh, I just got a news report uh, from CNN and other media sources that uh, the unemployment uh, insurance. It's going to run out on one million Americans. That's terrible. In the richest country in the world with over a $14 trillion gross domestic product, that is ridiculous and that's really unnecessary. And they tried to pass this bill three times from what I understand, and now it's going to be a delay and these poor people out here that need a job, and this is like a jobless recovery, and it's not really a recovery at all. If it has nothing to do with jobs, then it's not a recovery at all, and yet of course, media outlets that are, are influenced by the CFR are telling people that uh, everything is okay and we're recovering. There's no recovery, ladies and gentlemen, until people start to, to get decent jobs and be able to afford um, how to live, I mean, afford expenses and daily expenses to be able to survive. And I think it's been over 15 million people since this, what I want to call the beginning stages of a depression has occurred, uh, over 15 million people have lost their jobs. So this this is a very serious problem, ladies and gentlemen, and somebody, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but somebody has to tell the truth to people that, look, this is biblical what's going on. These are the end times, and we must prepare for things to get far worse than what they already are unless we collectively, as a human race, repent and start to obey God, in particular, the United States, since we are a part of Israel, and if that sounded like Greek to you, that statement, you need to go to www.b, as in boy, r-i-t-a-m, dot org, and find out why I said that. Yes, the United States and Canada, 
New Zealand, Australia, uh, the people in South Africa, the countries in Northwestern Europe, are all part of what the Bible calls the nation of Israel. People always think that, and I used to think this until God woke me up about it and, and, and revealed the truth to me, that whenever you see Israel, it's just referring to the Jews. The Jews are a part of Israel, but they're not all a part of Israel. The ten lost tribes of Israel have been discovered and, and located and found by people who know the truth. I'm one of them. Uh, Yer Davidi is another one. I mean, he did the research. Uh, prior to that, other people found this out. But he's a Jew, and God gave the Jews special ability to understand the Bible. And when they do obey the Bible the right way, they do a very good job of explaining it. And uh, even though he does not believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, he does have the truth about the ten lost tribes and who they are. And I implore you to study that website. It will open your eyes to reality. Um, it will open your eyes to the reality of the fact that we are one of the countries that have the largest distribution of the Bible in the world. Uh, of course, the countries in Northwestern Europe is, is another. And then, of course, in, in the Middle Eastern uh, country of Israel, you have the Bible, just the Tanakh. And in some cases, because you do have Messianic Jews that believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, you have over 600,000 worldwide. You also have them with a complete Bible. And then, of course, the Jews only have an incomplete Bible, which is the uh, what they call the Tanakh or the Old Testament. That's what we identify it as in this country. But anyway, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 16, I just read to you the sins of Sodom. Let's read that in the contem contemporary English version so you understand clearly what they are because we commit those sins in this country, uh, perhaps worse than any other <laughs> country in the world. Ezekiel chapter 16, starting in verse 49, it states uh, in verse 49, they were arrogant and spoiled. Let me, verse 48 here. It says, as, this is in the contemporary English version, as surely as I am living, Lord God, the people of Sodom and his nearby villages were never as sinful as you. And, and he's referring to uh, Judah here and, and, and Israel. Verse 49, they were arrogant and spoiled. They had everything they needed and still refused to help the poor and the needy. And that's the situation here in this country. We have the richest people in the world, and yet we have one million people here that can't find jobs. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Verse 50, they thought they were better than everyone else, or they had pride, and they did things I hate, so I destroyed them. And then in the, in the uh, Bible and Basic English Version, it states... Um, Truly, this is, was the sin of your sister Sodom, pride, a full measure of food, and we do. We, we have more food than any other country in the world, and yet we have people having to depend on food stamps. And the comforts of wealth and peace, uh, peace as far as nobody's attacking us um, on a daily basis like, like in other parts of the world, were seen in her and her daughters, and she gave no help to the poor or to those in need. Verse 50, they were full of pride and did what was disgusting to me, so I took them away as you have seen. And, of course, they did what discussing has a lot to do with uh, sexual sins as well. So that, that's the sins of Sodom. But what I want you to understand, what caused God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay? And let's, let's review that here because people don't, I don't think they really understand when God compares this to the tribulation and he tells you that things would be similar in the days of Lot. We have to study the days of Lot to understand what he was talking about because it's a prophecy. Uh, Genesis 19, verse 3. All right, I'm going to read this in the basic, in the basic, uh, the Bible in basic English version for clarity's sake. Uh, Genesis 19, verse 3. But he made his request more strongly, so they went with him into his house. This is talking about when the two angels came and then Lot, uh, he insisted that they come in and eat. So um, they did, in verse 3. But he made his request more strongly, so they went with him into his house, and he got food ready for them, and made unleavened bread of which they took, which is an uh, interesting Bible study in itself. Anyway, verse 4. But before they had gone to bed, the men of the town, all the men of Sodom, and these were men, not women, uh, came around the house, young and old, from every part of the town, and crying out to Lot, saying, they said, Where are the men who came to your house this night? Send them out to us, so that we may take our pleasure with them. You know, so then, of course, that word "no" in the in the King James version. Let, let's find it out because people had their various arguments about this, trying to justify homosexuality. And uh, it says right here, 
this the Hebrew word is yada, and it means um, to be acquainted, to um, to really know someone, okay, or perceive, you know. So this word. Yeah, it, it definitely indicates to to know in, in a sexual way, you know, and uh, that's what they were referring to. It says to to know relationally and expand. It, it refers to knowing and not knowing persons personally. The word also refers to knowing a person sexually, and that this could be found in First Kings one verse four. Uh, where it says, and the damsel was very fair and cherished the king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Okay, in other words, didn't do anything to her. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. And then, of course, in Genesis 19, verse 5, where it's used. So, so this word means, in this context, to know sexually, because how do I know that? Well, let's continue to, to read this um, in the basic Bible English version. Actually, in the contemporary English version, it says, and started shouting, where are your visitors? Send them out so we can have sex with them. So let me stick with this version. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it's meaning there. And then uh, Genesis 19, verse 6, Lot went out and shut the door behind them. Then he said, friends, please do not do such a terrible thing. Okay? And verse 8, I have two daughters, and this is the proof text here. I have two daughters who have never been married. I'll bring them out, and you can do whatever you want with them. Obviously, he's talking about sex here, folks. But don't harm these men. They are guests in my home. And in verse 9, don't get in our way, the crowd answered. You're an outsider. What right do you have to order us around? We'll do worse things to you than we're going to do to them. So they was going to rape him too. So the, the, the crowd kept arguing with Lot. Finally, they rushed toward the door to break it down. But the two angels in the house reached out and pulled Lot safely inside. Then they struck everyone in the crowd blind, and none of them could find the door. The two angels said to Lot, The Lord has heard many terrible things about the people of Sodom, and he has sent us here to destroy the city. Take your family and leave. Take every relative you have in the city, as well as the men your daughters are going to marry. So he he did this because that was the final straw. The fact that he observed this homosexuality behavior of the men, and that was it. That was it. That was the last straw, and God decided to destroy um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and in verse 15 uh, of the the uh, Bible in basic English version, it states, And when morning came, the angels did all in their power to make Lot go, saying, Get up quickly and take your wife and your two daughters who are here, and go for fear that you come to destruction and the punishment of the town. So the town had to be punished because of the wickedness of the wickedness, and the world is going to be punished because of the worldwide wickedness of just, not just homosexuality being allowed in, in Israelitish countries, but also of the other sins of Sodom. It's not just homosexuality. I just want to emphasize that. But the homosexuality obviously was the last straw, and it's going to be the last straw again because Christ stated that as, as in the days of Lot, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So we have to believe what he said uh, in reference to that, and then uh, in verse 15 in King James, it says that now thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And But he's comparing this event to the worldwide destruction of the world, which I've explained in the previous Bible studies, Isaiah chapter 24, you should read it in Isaiah 34. There's not going to be too many people left on the planet because of not only this sin, but other sins, as I've mentioned, the sins of Sodom that will cause most of the world to, to be destroyed unless we repent. And that, unfortunately, is the truth, ladies and gentlemen, of where we're at. And, you know, this this gay thing, I mean, it's, it's really getting to be a serious problem here uh, in, in this country. And, uh, and let's, you know, people take scriptures from Christ and they twist them, but I'm not going to do that. In Genesis 19, in Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, this is what he plainly stated. Genesis chapter 19, and this is his own words, and he referred this to, uh, he referred actually to the Torah, uh, the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 2. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Then the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying, 
is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? So now we know that this has to be talking about marriage. Okay, it's talking about marriage. There's no way you can deny that, but it's talking about a wife. And a wife is associated with her husband, or supposed to be anyway. Verse 4, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Now, did he state that he made them male and male and female and female? No, he did not. Verse 5, and this is Christ saying this. And, he, and, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, not his father and father and mother and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, okay? And they shall be one flesh. He never said, and there's nowhere you can find me in the Bible, where it says two men are one flesh and two women are one flesh. Verse 6, Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. And this is a prophecy because this is what's happening today. What therefore God has joined asunder, let not man put asunder. And that's what man is trying to do. That's what mankind is trying to do. He's trying to destroy the institution of marriage. And yeah, as you can see here, Christ never did state that marriage is between two men and two women. But of course, we have the attitude today, uh, a lot of us, that, hey, we don't care what God says. Well, God is going to judge you for that if you continue to act that way. But anyway, Isaiah chapter 3 Verse 9 states this, The show of their faces or countenance doth witness against them, and they declared their sin of Sodom, they hide it not. And that's what's happening right now in this country with CNN having shows about homosexuality and acting like it's okay uh, and, and, and so forth. I mean, this is going to cause tremendous judgment on this country if we don't repent of this stuff. I have to, I have to speak out about it. Uh, it says, The show of their continents does witness against them, and they declare their sin of Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul. Woe unto their lives. For they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And that's what we're doing when we allow CNN to embrace this stuff and say, you know, act like it's okay. And then influence these young children's brains and also adults' brains to say, well, I guess it's, not, I guess it's okay after all. Verse 10, Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings, woe unto the wicked, or danger unto the wicked. For it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. And boy, do they today with women dominating the workforce. There's more women in the workforce than men now. O oh, my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err. And he's saying the children and the women causes the err with Sarah Palin's and, and all these other women acting like they have a better idea or agenda on how to rule, and they don't. Oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. The Lord standeth up to plead and stand up to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people, and the princes therefore you have eaten up the vineyard, and the spoil of the poor is in your houses. We are the, we are the worst country in the world when it, when it comes to to the dichotomy of the rich and the poor, the, um, the gap between the rich and the poor. And that's what God is talking about here. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. Verse 15, What mean ye that you beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor? And that's what we're doing as I'm speaking. We have close to 40 million people right now that are starving, don't have enough to eat. In this rich country, and as he states here in verse 14, the spoil of the poor is in your houses. Let's get a better translation of that in the complete English version, complete, uh, what is it, the contemporary English version of the Bible in Isaiah, for clarity's sake here, because that's an important scripture to understand. In verse 14, says, he will even judge you rulers and leaders of his own nation. You destroyed the vineyard and filled your houses by robbing the poor. And how do you rob the poor? You don't give them what they need. Verse 15. The Lord All-Powerful says, You have crushed my people and rubbed in the dirt the faces of the poor. You're rubbing the faces of the poor in the dirt, Congress, or you high senators, who, if any of you are listening to me right now. You're doing that. You're rubbing the faces in dirt. You're doing what he states here in Isaiah 3, verse 15. You have crushed my people and rubbed in the dirt the faces of the poor when you don't when you act last a days ago about extending unemployment benefits, now I know everyone in Congress is not doing it, but particularly the Republicans are, because they have an agenda. They don't like Obama and all this other stuff, so they're going to do all these, these stupid things and, and cause pain 
on other people because of their agenda. And that's wrong. But, you know, God states this in verse 16. Because of this, and he states the woman of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is the capital city of Israel. So it's also referring to, to any any of the tribes, uh, any any uh, tribes that are associated with Israel, which are also the tribes of Israel. In verse 16, the, the Lord says, The women of Jerusalem are proud and strut, talking about the Jews in Jerusalem, and also uh, the rest of the tribes, because that's where all the tribes should be at. We should all be living in Jerusalem instead of um, scattered. But God's going to bring us back one day. He's going to bring back all of Ephraim, which is another name for the ten tribes, and also all of Judah, which are the Jews today. And we will all dwell in, in, in Jerusalem and in the West Bank. Anyway, and in Palestine, Isaiah 3, verse 6, The Lord says, The women of Jerusalem are proud and strut, winking shamelessly. They wear anklets that jingle. And this is definitely the 21st century woman here in the description. Uh, it's particularly those in the United States and, and Northwestern Europe and also in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and uh, Israel and so forth. They wear anklets that jingle and call attention to the way they walk. But I, the Lord, will cover their heads with sores and I will uncover their private parts. When that day comes, I will take away from these women all the fine jewelry they wear on their ankles, heads, necks, ears, arms, noses, fingers, and on their clothes. I will remove their veils, their belts, their perfume, their magic charms, their royal, their royal robes, and all their fancy dresses, hats, and purses. In place of perfume, there will be stink. In places of belt, there will be ropes. In place of fancy hairdos, they will, they will have bald heads instead of expensive clothes. You tell me that this does not describe Hollywood and the United States today? Please, it definitely does. Lady Gaga and all these other women that are just totally in whatever you want to call it, filth, spiritual filth, um, they were they will have bald heads. He says, in place of fancy hairdos, they will have bald heads instead of expensive clothes. They will wear sackcloth instead of beauty. They will have ugly scars. The fighting men of Jerusalem will be killed in battle. The city will mourn and sit in the dirt, emptied of his people. And that's what's coming, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't repent of our wickedness. That's what's coming. One million people in the United States will lose their unemployment benefits. For those who care, please pray that these one million people will get their unemployment benefits extended. It is a very terrible sin to not care for the poor, ladies and gentlemen. God is going to come back. That's one of the major reasons why he's going to come back, because of the plight of the poor. And we all, whether we're poor or not, must care about poor people. Now, it's another thing I must address today. Uh, we have a Tropical Storm Alex. Now, keep in mind, one of the, the proofs also that we're Israel, every... Almost every, especially in the, in the 21st century, this has been occurring. Around September, or in the September, the, the month of September is the peak month of hurricane season. Now, it so happens that during the time of September and October, which is the peak hurricane season, that is when the Festival of Trumpets begins. So I, I don't think that's an accidental occurrence. That's one of the identifying signs that we are of Israel because we really get whacked with hurricanes and we have been uh, ever, ever since this uh, 21st century has begun basically and there's a scripture here that is that, that proves my point here when you turn to Jeremiah 23 verse 19 to 20 Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 19 to 20 read this in the King James Version. It says, Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. That whirlwind means hurricane when you're looking in the original Hebrew. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. Verse 20, The anger of the Lord shall not return until we have executed, until he has performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, or, or the days of the becoming of the Messiah, or the end days that, that we're living in today, you shall consider it perfectly. In other words, you'll understand what's going on, okay? So so that's what, what God put the timing of us understanding why there is hurricanes occurring. And he put that, uh, and he timed that for the end time. So that's very important to understand there. Uh, very important indeed for you to understand that. 
uh, in the uh, complete Jewish Bible version, it says, Adonai's anger will not abate until he fully accomplishes the purpose in his heart. And the Akarat Hayamim, the Akarat Hayamim, that's in Hebrew, you will understand everything. And that, and that means in the days of the coming, of the before the coming of the Messiah, or during, uh, the days of the coming of the Messiah. That's what uh, that's talking about, the, the last days of the end times. So he's telling us that these hurricanes will increase in its intensity, and they are. In Isaiah 45, verse 7. Isaiah 45, I tell you, time is just so limited. It says, I form light, I create darkness, I make well-being, I create woe or danger. I, Adonai, do all these things. So he is the one that controls all these events, ladies and gentlemen, and he does all these things. And people, I know quite a few perhaps have been taught incorrectly about why God allows all these things. But he does it to punish us. In Job chapter 37, verse 11, states this in the Contemporary English Version Bible. It says, Rain clouds filled with lightning appear at God's command, traveling across the sky to release their cargo, sometimes as punishment for sin, sometimes as kindness. So it's not always for sin. But when you consider what's going on in this country with CNN just trumpeting uh homosexuality now like they never have before, uh, you you got to wonder here <laughs> what was going on here, you know, and, and uh, we have to pause here and study God's words here. Uh, in Job 36, 29 to 31. This is the New American Standard Bible version for clarity's sake here. says, Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his lightning about him, and he covers the depths of the sea. For by these he judges peoples, or, and, he gives food in abundance. So it can, it can work either or here. Uh, we need to be praying that God has mercy on us, but, you know, if we continue to sin like this, he's going to have to punish us. That's just the way it is, folks. I mean, God, he wants you to obey him, and he's not going to put up with all this, this wickedness that is occurring here. Uh, not just in this country, but worldwide. It's not just the United States, but we, you know, I, I think we're one of the leaders of wickedness at this point. Uh, Amos 4, verse 6. But I gave you also cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not read, and that's what's happening right now. I mean, the fact that people are losing their jobs is going to cause a lack of bread or, or food. And he says, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. That's why he does these things, that you repent and stop sinning. Verse 7, furthermore, I withheld the rain from you while there were still three months until harvest. Then I would send rain on one city and on another city. I would not send rain. One part would be rained on, while the part not rained on would dry up. So two or three cities would stagger to another city to drink water, but would not be satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. That's why he does these things, so that we will repent and, and, and turn to him. He doesn't take pleasure in punishing us. But just like when you punish a child for, for disobedience, he has to punish us. And how do you punish adults? You don't spank them on their behind. You do, do other things so they'll understand. Verse 9, I smote you with scorching wind and mildew, and the caterpillar was devouring your many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees. And we've had drought for many years in this country, especially in the 21st century. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent a plague among you after the manner of Egypt. I slew your young men by the sword, and unfortunately that's coming, along with your captured horses, and I made or military armies today, and I made the stench of your camp rise up in your nostrils, yet you have not returned to me. You know, this tells you how stubborn we are to want to do things our way. Verse 11, I overthrew you as God overthrew, and this is coming, I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze yet, and this is significant, Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I mean, it's just, we just are stiff-necked. We are stiff-necked people, and we just don't get it. We just don't get it that we have to obey him. But anyway, let me quote this article. And in the remaining time here, 20 minutes, I'm going to try to go through all the trumpet plagues here. But it says, Bastardi ups hurricane season forecast to 18 to 21 storms. It says the 2010 hurricane season is set to become even more extreme 
with 18 to 21 named storms now in the forecast. And some of these storms will impact the oil spill in the Gulf. And this is uh, an article on AccuWeather.com. Just type in Bastardi, Ups Hurricane Season Forecast to 18 to 21 Storms. All right, I'm not going to read all this, but uh, I'm going to go down to the bottom. It says, uh, you see the picture here uh, when you go to the, the, the website. It says AccuWeather.com 2010 Hurricane Season Total, 18 to 21 Storms. At least seven storms will be in the, the Gulf area. At least seven storms will be near the Gulf area according to this chart. So it says, by late August and September, the hurricane season should be front and center, said Bastardi. Expect eight named storms in September and three or four U.S. impacts. All right? So that's what's coming, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if you have not had your head in the sand, you understand what's going on in the Gulf in regards to the oil spill. So let's get into the uh, the seven trumpets now in the remaining time that I have. And the name of the, the storm right now is the Tropical Storm Alex. And it may turn into Hurricane Alex. And for those who care, uh, you should be praying that God has mercy and and calls us as a nation to repent of the tremendous wickedness that we're allowing in this country and, and acting like it's okay, uh, accepting abortions, accepting uh, people that's being gay and, and so forth. You know, we, we, we've got to repent of these sins or else the Bible prophecies, all of them will be fulfilled in, in terms of the destruction of not just this country but the world. And that's what, unfortunately, the uh, the premise of what I'm going to read to you now about the trumpets, that's what it is it's talking about here. And I turn to Revelation chapter uh, uh, 6. I talked about the, the uh, this is the sixth seal. And then in chapter 7, God prevents the, the seventh seal from being um, torn off or unveiled because he has to protect his people on the earth at this time. Okay, and then Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And verse 2, And I saw the seven angels were stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets, and another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So that tells you that there is a temple in heaven. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. An earthquake. And Christ did talk about earthquakes. Verse 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and there were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. So that's what the first trumpet would do, ladies and gentlemen. The second angel sounded, which is the second trumpet, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. So you, you, you notice the destruction here. Uh, it's going to be blood all over the place. Verse 9, And the third part of the, uh, of the creatures which were in the sea, and had life, died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded the third trumpet, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died in the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, and so the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, danger, or great sorrow, great sorrow, great sorrow, to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So at the fifth trumpet, every, at the fourth trumpet, everything stops. And then chapter 9, verse 1, And the angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the, of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace in the sun, and the air was darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, only, I mean, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. 
And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. So we know that one of these trumpet plagues is going to last five months, which gives credence to the fact that the day of the Lord must be a one-year period before the literal day of the Lord when Yeshua Messiah lands on the Mount of Olives. In verse 5, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strike of a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like horses prepared into battle, and on their heads, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were faces like men. You know, what John is experiencing here in a vision is military armaments of the 21st century. Verse 8, And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings, a helicopter, as the sound of chairs of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Uh, you know, but when you see a rocket go, you see the tail at the end, right? The yellow tail. And their power was, was to hurt men five months. And when they had a king, they had a king over them, which is the devil, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, which means destruction. But in the Greek tongue, his name Apollyon. One woe was passed, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. In verse 13, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying, The sixth angel which had the trumpet, so this is the sixth trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And amazingly, Euphrates, the, the Euphrates River goes into Iraq. All right, so we know in the area of Iraq right now, there are four angels that are bound, waiting to be released to cause destruction upon the earth. Verse 15, And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for a specific hour, a day, and a month, and a year. And I don't know what that is, but it's coming. To slay the third part of men, one-third of all mankind. Verse 16, And the number of the army of the horsemen, which proves that this definitely has to be a prophecy of the 21st century, 200 million men. Okay, and there was 200 million people in the population of the earth in the first century. <laughs> so we know that this has to be a prophecy of the end time because there's no way that the whole world in the first century gathered 200 million men. Okay, so this proves that this prophecy has to be a prophecy that is dated from an event to be a prophecy that's going to be fulfilled in the uh, 21st century. So I just wanted to point that out here, that, that that's very significant in terms of that. Right, I was just looking at the uh, New American Standard Bible versions. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. And China has an army of 200 million. Okay, so this definitely is a prophecy of the end time. Verse 17, And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and a Jainsif and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lion, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. This is a uh, this is definitely a description of nuclear war, um, bombs, and military armaments of the 21st century. Now, what I want you to notice is this: this tells you how stubborn we are as human beings, <laughs> and how stiff-necked. All this is occurring, okay? And in verse 18, in verse 18, God says this through the apostle and prophet John. Verse 18, By these three was a third part of men killed, by the fire and by smoke and by brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. Verse 19, For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Verse 20, And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold and silver or money, and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither did they repent of their murders, which abortions has a lot to do with it, nor of their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor of their theft. That's a very sad story, ladies and gentlemen, but it tells you how stubborn mankind is right now, that through all this there's still going to be some people that are just not going to repent. The good news is, when you look at Revelation chapter 7, there's going to be quite a few people that are going to get the message. And unfortunately, because of going through the tribulation, they will. But, you know, God 
will do whatever he needs to do to help us. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, here's the good news, verse 9. It says, After this I behold and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, symbolizing the festival of trumpets when you understand it. Verse 10, And cried with a loud voice, saying, I mean, uh, the, the festival of Sukkot, or the tabernacles. Verse 10, And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. Verse 11, And all the angels stood around about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessed, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanking, and thanksgiving, rather, and honor, and power, and might, be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple, not just on the earth, but in heaven. And he that dwells on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. But how did they repent? Well, this is how they repented. Verse 14. They, these are they which came out of tribulation, or I would like to say the great spanking, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So these are people that were hard-headed and didn't listen to God and didn't know any better and went through the tribulation and through the tribulation, they repented. And he says it's going to be such a number that it can't be counted. So that's the good news. But unfortunately, there's going to be some people still that are not going to listen and will have to continue to suffer. And it's going to get to the point of how long, how much punishment can you take and when are you going to give in? Some people are not going to give in. That's why there's a lake of fire. There's going to be some people that are just, for whatever reason, just don't want to obey God. And those people will be thrown in the lake of fire, unfortunately. But God has no desire for anyone to be that way. He wants everyone. He desires everyone to repent. He, he desires everyone to repent. As Jeremiah 18 states here, I'm going to try to quote this as much as I can, Jeremiah 18, verse 7. It states, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation or, or group of people against whom I pronounce turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. So he does not want to punish people. That's not something that he takes great pleasure in, folks. But we have to understand who created us, who rules us, who gives us life. We have to understand that and do things his way and stop thinking that we know how to do things the right way. We have to study the Bible to understand what's right and what's wrong. And we must understand that we have all Every one of us except Yeshua Messiah or Jesus Christ has been deceived. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah, we all have inherited lies from our fathers. That's what it says here in Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah 16, starting in verse 19. O Lord, my strength and fortress, uh, fortress and my refuse in the day of affliction of Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies. Our parents, unfortunately, have taught us some bad things. It wasn't their fault because they learned from their parents, they learned from their parents, and it goes all the way back to the days of Noah, basically. So, so you know, that, that, that has been a problem, all the way back to Adam and Eve, basically, when they sinned, and they believed a lie that the devil told them. So he says, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no prophet. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Therefore, behold, I will... This once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. And when you look at Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Revelation 12, verse 9 states this, And the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil, and Satan wished to seize the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I'm going to go over the seven trumpet, and next week I'm going to talk about uh, some other things that are going to happen during the time of the seven trumpets, and we're going to get hopefully into the the, uh, the last the seven last plagues or the vials. Okay, now 
in Revelation chapter 11 gives us um, some information about what's going to happen at the seventh trumpet. In verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the, and the nations were angry. And this is unfortunate, but this tells you the state of, of mankind. The nations are going to be angry when, when the seventh trumpet is sounded, and, and they're going to hear that the, the kings of this world have become the kings of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You think they will be jumping up and down. Obviously, that's telling you that something's wrong here with what uh, mankind believes God is. That, that This is total proof of that. Verse 18, and the, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come. So they were angry when 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 it's announced that he's going to rule the world. Why are they angry if they're worshiping the true God? They're not. They're worshiping the devil, and they don't know it. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged. So this is the time of the resurrection. It's not before the rapture. It's, uh, it's not, the rapture does not occur before the tribulation. It occurs after the tribulation, uh, and that is the truth. And it occurs at the seventh trumpet. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come in the time of the dead, which is the resurrection, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants to prophets and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. So this is the time of destruction as well. This is the literal uh, day of the Lord that's, that's about to occur with him, uh, with the seven vials, as is going to be explained next week. After those vials are poured out, that's when he'll land on the Mount of Olives. Verse 19, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in this temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. So that's what's going to happen at the seventh trumpet, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be an announcement that, um, let me state that again, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So the whole world will uh, no doubt hear that. And then, as prophesied here, and most of the people in the world are going to be angry about that because their minds aren't right. They're not thinking straight about things. They would have been brainwashing and thinking differently than what they should, unfortunately. And then Hosea states the following, and this is the, the problem with most people in the world, including uh, the modern-day tribes of Israel, which the United States is a significant part of. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. Let me start in verse 1. This is a description of our land today, and, and, the, and Britain and the countries in northwestern Europe and Israel and the Middle East. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, meaning in the majority of the time, there is no truth, no mercy, no knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out in blood touch of blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwell therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of the heaven. Yes, the fishes of the sea, uh, shall, shall be taken away. And that's what's occurring as I'm speaking, ladies and gentlemen, in the Gulf. Fishes are dying. Verse 4, Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as, as they that strive after the priest. And in verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Therefore thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of God, and I will forget thy children. So let me end on that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I will pick up next week. We will talk about the um, some other things that are going to be happening during the time of the seven trumpets being um, executed. And we're also going to talk about, uh, hopefully, the, the seven last plagues. Because, uh, you know, t times are serious right now, ladies and gentlemen. And let's, uh, let's get our head out of the sand and focus on what the Bible is saying here so that we can stand or have a chance to stand by him and with him when he comes back. May the Lord bless and keep you, and I will speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. 
But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 